If you want to get good at something fast, how would you go about doing that? Whether it be sports, music, social media, YouTube, filming, anything in life. I think the answer is more simple than we would imagine. You learn from the best person that you have access to. Why would you spend time and money seeking out someone to learn from? Because sometimes it can be difficult to find someone. Sometimes you might even have to pay them hundreds of dollars per hour because they are an expert. And the reason is because you can shortcut their failures, which means you will get better faster. An expert in their field has spent decades failing. All the little details that are difficult to show in a 10 minute YouTube video or a short one minute Instagram clip. There's all of these small things that I can think about in video editing or filmmaking that no one told me. I just had to go through the motions and experience, you know, a hundred different shoots and you end up learning little things that people don't put in tutorials. It's as simple as that. So ideally you would want to pay this person for some of their time, this expert, no matter the cost because they will be saving you so much time in the future. And so that brings me to who we're learning about today, Patty Galloway. Patty has been working and teaching top creators, including Mr. Beast, Preston Plays, and many more with tens of millions of subscribers. He helps them with their thumbnails, video structure, reading analytics, and a lot more. Recently, Patty put out a Twitter thread, or X thread, whatever you call those nowadays, and I thought it was very interesting because in this video, I'm gonna be talking about YouTube tips that I'm taking into 2024. And these are from Patty specifically. This is from his Twitter thread. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing, but we're gonna go over everything here. So hopefully I should be able to fill you in on all of that. The reason why I'm putting more of my effort into YouTube this year is because I see it being the largest slice of the pie in terms of the entertainment industry. I think that their free with ads model is probably the best that you could ask for. The fact that it already comes pre-installed on Android phones is, I mean, just unbelievable. And it's become such a staple in our culture for learning things, for entertainment, for events, for streaming. And now, just recently, at the end of 2023, we've been seeing it get into people's family living rooms more. And what I mean by this is YouTube TV. So now we have it on our mobile device, we can have it on our desktops, we can have it on our TVs. It feels like it's everywhere, to be honest. With every streaming platform having really tough times right now, laying off tons of people, cutting costs, Netflix hasn't raised their content budget in over two years, everyone has been struggling. But YouTube has been, I would say, consistent. Yes, they've had bad decisions in their management, and, and I believe their CEO just changed recently, but... Overall, I think they've been doing a very good job at adapting to how media is going with YouTube Shorts and also just keeping their, their core business in mind, which is YouTube videos. And not only that, but people make livings off of YouTube. So there's huge incentives for people to keep on creating and start new channels. And there's always incentive for the next generation to, to come along and, and make new content. So that's just a quick backstory on why I think YouTube is going to be a big player. And I think that it has more potential than some of these platforms like TikTok or Facebook. We're going to start off with the five tips that Patty gave us in his Twitter thread. 
Number one is getting clear on an audience. If you don't know who you're creating content for, then the content is usually not going to find its mark. You have to have this specific avatar. It's like in business, you have to have a specific target person that your product is going to. And for YouTube, it's who is your videos going to. So what Patty recommends is finding a cluster of similar channels in your niche and seeing what they're doing and then learning from them, which is actually, before I even read this, I'd already done this um, as research for 2024. And what I came up with as my audience was camera gear and filmmaking, which is education and entertainment, 15 to 35 male and female, USA and Canada based, and my inspirations were Volandas, Mark Bone, Kofi Aboa, and Sam Colder. So for you, this might change based on whatever your niche is and whoever your inspirations are. And if you can't think of four or five inspirational people in your niche off the top of your head, trust me, you could find some. There is just so many. And I have way more than this on my on my full research page, but these are the first four that came to mind. The other interesting thing that Patty does is calculating his TAM, which means total addressable market. And this is also known as a view ceiling. So how many views could your videos potentially get if you were the biggest creator, if you were capturing all of the audience? And it's a good number to know because you might think that you've maxed out, you know, you're hitting a hundred thousand, a million views per video, and you might think there's no one else to reach. But if you do this calculation of the total addressable market and you say, okay, my estimate is there is 20 million people who would potentially like this thing on YouTube. And I'm currently averaging 1 million views per video. So you have 5% of your total addressable market. I think I did that math right. <laughs> that was off the top of my head, but don't quote me on that. You get the point. The final thing that you can do to get clear on your audience is learning about their personality. Think what kind of person your viewer is and isn't. For me, it was they want to have a business or a freelance career in videography and filmmaking. They want to get better on their own time. They appreciate high quality cinematic style videos. They don't want over edited graphics and in your face subtitles. They like a good story and they're interested in purchasing new camera gear and equipment. So that kind of gives me an idea of who I'm who I'm making videos for. And it makes it easy when I'm writing scripts to either add things or take away things because I just think about would this type of person be interested in this segment? Number two, make three thumbnail options per video. And I know that we've heard it a million trillion times that YouTube thumbnails are half the battle. Thumbnails and thumbnails and titles, that's almost more important than the actual video itself. And I definitely agree with this, but it's nice to hear Patty just say it in a simple way. Make three thumbnail options per video. It's that simple. And the reason to do this is because your first idea, you might think, yeah, it's good. And then you start playing around with things, moving things, and you just find something that's 10, 20% better, and that can make all the difference in your click-through rate. Patty says that only about 20 to 30% of channels make three thumbnail options per video. So if you're making three thumbnail options or more, you're already in the top 80% of creators. Number three is focusing on TV viewership. And this is something that's brand new, like we mentioned in the intro. Longer videos like 20 plus minutes are crushing right now with more depth and story and a little bit slower pacing, you know, maybe a documentary style video. I'm thinking of Michelle Carre. She is such an incredible creator and makes something that 
I feel like the YouTube space was really missing. Her documentaries can be 40, 50 minutes long, and they take clearly months of manpower hours to edit and script and just storyboard and put together. And it makes for a beautiful viewing experience, but it doesn't feel like it does it justice when you're watching on your phone or even your computer sometimes. So that is the type of content that people are viewing on their TVs. And Patty shared some stats where over some of his clients are getting over 50% of their total viewership from YouTube TV, which is just mind-blowing. Number four, sit down and build out your own unique style guidelines. When you don't have clear guidelines, you'll naturally gravitate towards what everyone else is doing. So take this week and write out certain things that can make your content unique. There's a couple different categories that we can look at. Humor and personality, pace and rhythm, production value, graphics, animation, text, and then music and sound design. For me, I'll share a little bit of what I put in each category just to give you some examples and ideas for your own niche. For my humor and personality, I put my dry, sarcastic humor. I think that um, it's naturally what I gravitate towards. And when I'm with friends, that's how I act. And I think that showing that true self over camera is not always easy or feels comfortable because you might think that no one else is going to find it funny. But I think I'm going to try and let that kind of shine out more because I think it will attract the, the right type of people that I want. For pacing and rhythm, I've actually decided to do videos that are not super fast paced and that don't have quick editing. The pacing is going to be slow, but there's also going to be no time wasted. I want my videos to be very valuable and each second I want them to feel like there's no extra breaks or no extra fluff. I'm also kind of developing a style where I do abrupt endings. Um, I just say, all right, peace at the end of my videos. And it's just because I don't like doing outros. <laughs> I guess I'm bad at goodbyes. For production value, this is a bit of a strange category because I am a filmmaker video editor from the start. So the production value is always going to be always going to be really good. Um, you know, whether that just be professional lighting, professional camera, professional software, I already have all that stuff. So it's already going to be at a very good level, but I also don't want to overdo it uh, in terms of the graphics and animations, which is our next topic. But for the production value, honestly, I think that showing some of my past client work is going to be how people can see the quality of my video creation. But for you, if you're running an entertainment channel, your production value might be more on the lower end side. Maybe you want it to feel like a home video. If you notice Mr. Beast, he doesn't have red cinema cameras filming him. He usually uses, there's a lot of GoPros, there's a lot of Sony small cameras, and the Sidemen, another great example. They, yes, they have some good cameras, but when they're doing their hide and seek videos, they're all filming on small Sony cameras or power shoots, I, don't, I forget. Anyways, point is, it's not expensive, it's not cinema. It feels like YouTube, which is what people go to YouTube for. Graphics, animations, and text. In my personal opinion, I'm kind of over doing the, the subtitling and the flashy graphics and all this garbage because first of all, it takes lots of time for me to edit. And second of all, I don't think it adds a lot to the viewing experience. I get that captions and subtitling can help hook the viewer. Obviously, I know that. 
But for YouTube, I think I am going to not follow that route because I think people that I want to attract are tired of that. And this goes back to finding your audience. My audience is tired of being bombarded with useless information on Instagram because that's what I'm tired of. So I want to make videos for myself that someone like me would want to watch. Lastly is music and sound design. The sound design should be really dramatic in the beginning to hook the viewer. And I should use the advantage of popular music because I don't care if I get copyrighted because I'm not making money off YouTube. So these are two of the things that I'll be focusing on going into the new year. The sound design, I've always loved, always loved sound design. It's one of my favorite things to do on a project. I love finding sound effects. I love finding the perfect fitting music. It can take a stupidly long time, but also I am not afraid to use copyrighted music. So that gives me a really good advantage. And you might be thinking, why does popular music give you an advantage? Because it's relatable. People relate to songs that they've heard in the past, or maybe it makes them feel or remember a certain way. Non-copyright music, sometimes it just sucks. You, you, you've never heard it. It might be a good song. Like, don't get me wrong. People who make songs for Artlist or Epidemic Sounds, they are doing great work and I really appreciate them. And I, I use Artlist, but people remember and people will relate to songs that they heard when they were 15 and it was, you know, their first summer out of high school. You know, it gives a feeling and that's what we're trying to create. Well, that's what I'm trying to create with my videos. The last tip that Patty gave in his Twitter thread was creating a 2024 feedback group with three to five other creators. This is going to be the thing that's the hardest for me because... In my shoes and maybe in in your situation as well youtube is by far not my main focus or my full-time job and so having to connect and constantly communicate with three to five other people that's a lot of work honestly that takes a lot of time and i understand that youtube takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to get good and so if this is something that you're really going to go for in 2024 then this is amazing advice. Learning with other people is, again, going to get you way further than if you were learning by yourself. You learn three to five times as fast because you're all making mistakes together, sharing it, and then moving forward. His specific tips for creating a feedback group was keeping it small, less than six works best, kick out inactive people, and find people at similar sizes, but in different niches. And I assume that last tip is for not getting competitive or jealous of other people. And to end things off for this podcast episode, I watched a video about Patty's own YouTube structure because he makes his own videos. And I just wanna share it with you here. Now, I don't take credit for building out this, um, this breakdown. This is from another creator, but I thought it was really interesting. Number one is the hook. Second is the setup. Third is the main content, which is broken down into steps. And fourth is a call to action. Paddy uses open loops. An open loop is an unresolved issue or an unanswered question. Think of it like a cliffhanger. A seed is planted in your brain and it makes you want to keep watching until you find out the answer. And by then we can open another open loop to keep them watching even longer. Characters. Videos always have a hero or a main character that are relatable to the viewer. And the hero or the main character doesn't always have to be yourself. Desire. You need to think about why people are coming to watch your channel. What is the result that they are hoping to get 
and how can you satisfy this desire that they have? For Patty, he does a really good job of breaking down YouTubers and content creators who are at the top of their field, at the top of their industry. And people are coming to watch those videos to learn how they can be like those creators that they've seen. Transformation. A good tactic to keep people engaged is to start the video with a flashback to where the hero was, making it more relatable to the viewer. This is a very interesting tactic. I like it because it allows you to make a more full story progression. If you start at the beginning, it's 100% more relatable to people watching because oftentimes he'll be making videos about Mr. Beast right now which is not relatable to anyone because Mr. Beast is a one of one person. There is no one like him who has done what he's done. But there was tons of people like Jimmy Donaldson when he was 18 years old. And Jimmy Donaldson is Mr. Beast's real name if you didn't catch that. Relating to Mr. Beast at 18 is much easier for us than relating to him now when he has almost you know 200 million subscribers. Why? Because we are more like Jimmy at the beginning. Anyways, I hope that this episode wasn't too long. Hopefully you guys stayed till the end. And if you do like this podcast, make sure to leave it a five-star rating and review, and I'll see you next time.